Good morning, everybody. Uh, I'm totally, totally with her on that. I like to sit on the floor uh, at prayer sometimes. Seems more, I don't know, especially when it's uh, you know, in the summertime and it's all hot. Sit on that nice cold concrete floor. Put your put your femoral arteries, lay them out on there. Cool off all your blood. So, all right. Uh, Jesus, we just thank you so much for this place, uh, for the opportunity to gather in your name and have your presence speak to us as only you can. God, for your spirit to do to us what you do. God, we're grateful. We appreciate all that you do for us. And God, this morning, uh, we uh, we want to come into this place with expectation that you're going to speak to us, that you're going to minister. God, we want the the fallow ground of our hearts broken open. God, our, our uh, hearts softened that we might hear what you have to say to us this morning. God, we just we pray that your perfect will uh, would be accomplished in this place, and that you would minister to us as only you can. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Score to First Corinthians eleven. First Corinthians is a is a really great book. Um, you know, I I enjoy flipping. I I was flipping through it this morning. Actually, not really reading it, but just noting all of the things that Paul was dealing with about uh, or with the Corinthians because he starts out uh, just a few verses in after he finishes uh, saying you know hello to everyone he uh, he starts out right away he's like so I hear there are divisions among you uh, that was told to me by the house of Chloe and and then he just goes on and on from there it's like you know he he just you, you see chapter after chapter of him dealing with Issues in, in in this church here in, in Corinth, and uh, if you if you know very much about Corinth, of course, it's no wonder that they had all kinds of issues. Um, uh, you know, of course, we live among the heathen in Ottawa, so um, you know you you know, you understand how difficult it can be to you know be uh, surrounded by the by the heathen. I'm sure that doesn't happen to you where you live, but. Uh, now, of course, um, you know, in Corinth um, was a uh, was a, a really large city and a and a, a, a bastion of all kinds of uh, uh, icky uh, heathen religions and, and their temples and things. So, so he uh, you know he's talking to all these people and uh, about all of these issues. And of course, he's already been to Corinth. You know, that's the whole reason there's someone there for him to write to is because he's writing to the church that's there about the, the struggles that they're facing and the issues that they're dealing with. Um, and so I, I like that because, as I've said so many times before, when I first came here, when I was 16, I thought everybody was all perfect and wonderful and, and had all their duckies in a row. Then after I'd been here for a few years, I realized, oh, maybe not. Like they're all just as messed up as I am. So, um, uh, 
So here in uh, in 1 Corinthians 11, he's talking to them about about the Lord's Supper and how they were gathering together and and uh, people were being overlooked and 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 put aside and all that kind of stuff. Um, and and you guys are all I'm sure familiar with with this passage. Um, so. Uh, let's start in 23. It says, For I have received of the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which He was betrayed, took bread. Can you imagine that? How difficult that must have been for Jesus to sit around the table with all those guys and thinking about them and thinking about what He's getting ready to happen to Him. And... Uh, and knowing that one of these guys at the table is, you know, getting ready to leave and uh, and turn him in. And, uh, uh, you know, I don't think I would do so well with that. I think I, I, think I probably would have kicked Judas out a long time ago. <laughs> it's like, hey, so, you know, where's all the, uh, where's all the money for that thing, Judas? It's like, oh, well, uh, 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 uh. It's like, all right, well, you're out. You know, but uh, you know, of course, uh, of course, Jesus knew what he was doing. But but he says here that uh, in the same night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, "Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me." And after the same manner, also he took the cup when he had supped and said, "This cup is the new testament in my blood. And this do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me." You know, and um, and it's interesting to see how how Christianity has turned this into the the, the communion sacrament that uh, um, you know that is still practiced in a in a lot of churches. Um, you know, and of course they're they're sitting here at this table with the, the Passover lamb on the table, and so. Um, and so he's saying, you know, that this, you know, this is me, because this is what's getting ready to happen to me. And uh, of course, if you know anything about the the feasts, then way back in Exodus, he tells us that the Passover lamb is going to be killed on the 14th day of the first month, which of course is exactly when they're uh, this is getting ready to happen. And uh, so. So he says that for as often as you eat this bread, verse 26, and you drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eats and drinks unworthily eats and drinks damnation to himself, or judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. So, as I said, you guys are probably all familiar with this, but um, when uh, you know we're having communion right now, yeah. every Sunday, uh, I was sitting with Cynthia's grandpa. Uh, it was an Assembly of God pastor for decades, and of course they do communion in their churches and uh, with the with the cracker and all that and. Uh, and he asked me, um, 
you know, how often we do communion here. I was like, oh, every Sunday. I was like, well, every Sunday. Well, how about that? And I was like, well, if, if, you know, if, you know, bless bless the guy's heart. You know, he's talking to him is like having a glass of warm milk at the end of of a really long day. You know, just it'll just put you right to sleep, but uh, um, in a good way. But um, <laughs> yes, yes, I've I've talked to people who would just put me to sleep too. But um, so he's like every Sunday. Well, how about that? And I was like, yeah, yeah, every Sunday. Uh, and then he's, he's like talking about what kind of crackers they used or whatever, and uh, I was like, yeah, well, uh, like you know, I, you know, he says, you know, to examine yourself by it. I, you know, I examined myself with the cracker once, and about the only similarities I could come up with was that we were both white and salty. <laughs> uh, and he didn't really know what to do with that. He. <laughs> He either didn't catch it or he just decided to ignore it, one or the other, and just kept right on going. But uh, I enjoyed myself immensely. But, um, but you know, we, we examine ourselves by the, by the Word of God. And, um, yeah, and it's a really important thing to do. You know, in churches where they, where they have these communion services, you know, if, if people really know that they have something that's not where it should be, it's not squared away, they have something out of order in their life, they don't go they don't take communion because of this passage. It's like they don't want to uh they don't want to eat and drink to themselves damnation. You know? And and it's interesting that they use the word damnation. I think that's a it's a great word uh for uh for that. It's a fun word to say when you're frustrated about something. But um, uh, but the word here is actually judgment, um, and uh, um, so uh, it's very similar to this same word discerning here. They're not the exact same word, obviously, but they're they're very similar in in meaning and application. So he says that he that eats and drinks unworthily. You know, with with something you know out of order in, in your life, eats and drinks damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. And uh, and if you've got a keyword, you can see those two little numbers there keep popping up back and forth about these these two different words of that are basically both judgment. Um, you know, and so, and that's the same word that you that you see here is, is this idea of, of separating thoroughly or making a distinction or, or distinguishing between things. Um, is when you boil down judgment, that's more or less really what it is. Um, so, um, you know, if, if you if you lack judgment, it's tough to make a, a good distinction. It's like when you go to the tire shop. And they they tell you, well, I have this tire, this tire, and this tire. I'm like, uh, I like that one's name. Let's do that one. You know, I mean, what else am I supposed to base it on? I don't know. I don't think about tires. So, so the the word of God gives us something to judge with. 
to, to judge ourselves by. And that's what he's saying here. So, um, so like I like I, I told Mr. Jester, every every Sunday is Communion Sunday at our church, and so um, that's the deal, isn't it? We show up, and and the the, the word of God is, is broken open and brought forth, and uh, we judge ourselves by it, right? How would you judge yourself by a cracker? I mean, maybe you're white and salty too. Maybe not. You know, maybe maybe some of us need a rye bread cracker instead. Those are a little darker. Um, but um, but but comparing yourself to the Word of God, to the body of Jesus Christ, that's an entirely different matter, then, isn't it? Because if if He is the, the head of the church, and we're his body, then then our body needs to be the same as his body, doesn't it? Yeah. So, um, you know, we all understand that our that God's expectation for us is that he's going to bring us to maturity. That he's going to that he 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 washes us in his blood and he gives us his righteousness by faith and then he works on the issues in our life bringing us up into this this place of maturity uh, where the more mature we become the more like him we become and uh, I, I, I find it interesting uh, how he says if we would judge ourselves then we should not be judged so uh, one of the great things about um maturing is you start catching things that you don't need somebody to point it out to you. Uh, I was a, well, I am a compulsive neat freak, and growing up, uh, I kept my room immaculate. Nobody told me to, but by the time I was Zoe's age, I was like putting out that like powder stuff that you put in the carpet and vacuuming it up. And I was using like uh, old English on my my woodwork and like cleaning my mirrors and my windows with Windex and stuff because I wanted my room to be tidy, everything in its place, just like it's supposed to be. Right angle, it's not a right angle, it's wrong angle. Everything was right. All my books were organized on the shelves. You know, it was you know that's 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 how life should be. Um, you you wouldn't know that if you came to my house, but. We're we're just very very busy people, and we have three children, so um, it's virtually impossible to stay on top of things. But um, well, and you know, you know, we're we're getting to that spring cleaning season, garage sale season. People in our neighborhood are throwing things out now, and you know what they say: another man's crap is now my crap. <laughs> so. I'm going to pay for that later. Um, anyway, um, but as I, you know, when I was five, uh, you know, my, my mother would go and clean my room. Uh, she didn't really tell me to clean it. She would just go clean it. And then I couldn't find anything. Uh, you know, it's like I understood the mess. I understood the, like, where to find things in the path from the door to my bed. But um, uh, 
Uh, I did like having the room clean, though. That's kind of nice. And so I learned how to keep it tidy myself. And uh, and I no longer, you know, I, I don't ever recall really growing up having my parents tell me to clean my room. I just did because I realized, hey, clean, you know, clean is good. Cleanliness is next to godliness. Of course, we were heathen, but I mean, I was just like, hey, this is great. You know, having everything clean and tidy the way it should be. Um, so, you know, if that's not you, that's fine. There's there's nothing particularly holy about keeping your house clean and tidy and, and all that within reason. But um, uh, as you as you grow up, you know, another maybe another example might be your parents. Um, you know, kids just. So, you know, if you don't tell them, sometimes they will leave the house. Like, where's thou those clothing, those items together? <laughs> you know, it's like, hey, did you look in the mirror before you left the house? You know, it's, and uh, uh, but as you get older, you become more aware of that, and as you mature, you realize, hey, I should probably make sure these clothes go together. I should probably actually fix my hair before I leave the house. And uh, so that's kind of what he's talking about here. If we would judge ourselves, then we don't need to be judged. God doesn't have to call us out on things uh, in church if we judge it in private on our own. And so we have this these wonderful series of services like we've had recently. You know, poor Nompet. That guy is like, he's like a paratrooper. <laughs> it's like he comes in here and just, ah! <laughs> you know, and he's like, hey, you know, I loved it because he's like, you know, I wish I had something nicer to say, but this is what God told me to say. And, um, you know, and then, uh, um, you know, God just keeps talking to us about these things. And so, um, you know, and, and it's it's really just as simple as that. It's like, well. God doesn't have to address those things um, to us um, in in the church if we'll deal with them on our own in private. If we'll, you know, I was uh, uh, was talking with somebody uh, and uh, and they were talking more about like needing answers for something rather than like fixing an issue. But uh, they said something that I thought was really insightful, especially for someone so young. They said, "Well, I just figured I could read the Bible and figure it out." It's like, hey, how about that? Figured I could read the Bible and figure it out, you know. And so, um, but but that's like judging yourself, right? Like applying the Word of God to your life and and coming up with an answer. So, uh, but I love how he follows up that that sense in, in or what that statement in thirty one and thirty two. He says, but when we're judged. We're chastened to the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. And so uh, that's a great thing. You'd rather have that. Um, you, know, you guys have all heard my pathetic story about Ron calling me out in front of everybody because my despicable, pathetic behavior. A lot of you were probably even here. And uh, I didn't like it. And uh, But... Um, 
But I understood that when you're judged and chastened to the Lord, you're chastened to the Lord so that you're not condemned with the world. And if you get to the place where you're you're ready to have the thing go away, then then that's a great place to be. You know, I was I was thinking about regret yesterday. This is a this is kind of a weird little story. Bear with me. I'm just reading along, and I was wearing one of my favorite T-shirts yesterday, and um, I'm it's like kind of in my periphery vision while I'm reading, and just completely unbidden, out of nowhere, I remembered this picture that we have where I was wearing that shirt, and I looked particularly um, uh, thin in that picture, so I really liked it, Um, but uh, also in that picture uh, is Jeremy, and he's like this tall, so, you know, know, it was a long, long time ago now, and... uh, uh, and I remembered, I just, I just remembered that picture. I mean, I didn't have it in front of me. I just remembered that picture. And I remembered what a horrible, terrible day that was. And what a complete and utter ass I was that day. And I can't think of any word that would describe it better than that. So if you don't like it, soon. But, um, uh, I was just over just bowled over all of a sudden, like nearly in tears, just sitting there alone in my house, remembering that day and wishing that I could go back and do it again and do it differently. And, of course, you can't. And, uh, and of course, I know that you know, God has he's changed those things and He makes those things go away and He makes them different and He fixes them. The problem sometimes is that we're left with the memory of those things. Um. But the blessing is is that we're left with the memory of those things. You know, regret is a really, um, really great but dangerous tool. You know, and you know, fortunately, God is really good with tools, way better than I am with tools. You should see some of the stuff that I've done with tools around my house. But uh, you know, I um, and and honestly, I have to be careful when I look at pictures. Um, I get kind of maudlin sometimes because like I, I have moments just like that where it's like I remember that day. Oh, I remember that day. Or I remember that entire period of time and how I, I squandered away my, my, my kids being so young and precious because I was, you know, this busy, impatient, you know, jerk and and wishing that I could go back and do it again. And the reality of, of life is is that you just can't. You know, once you know, once Sunday's over, Sunday's over. Once Monday's over, Monday's over. You don't get to go back and do it again. Um, and so, um, the thing about regret is it can it can really eat you alive, and and it can make you feel like uh, like God is still holding those things over your head, like He still remembers it, and He's still um, well, like well. Like you know, it's like well, yep, you can come to heaven, but I want you to stay away from here for a couple thousand years, because I want you to know how how much you screwed up. It's like uh, no, no, God, uh, he 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 forgives and he forgets. No, but there is a tremendous amount of value in in having regrets because uh, because it reminds you, you know what? I don't want to do that again. I don't want to go down that road again. And um, 
you know, have you ever apologized to somebody for something? And, you know, it's like, hey, I'm really sorry, blah, 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 blah. What's the answer that you're hoping for? Oh, that's, yes. Like, that's okay. No problem. No big deal. What's the answer you get when you know you really, really screwed up bad? Thanks. It's like, dang it. <laughs> because the implication of, oh, that's okay, is, well, no big deal. It wasn't that big a deal after all. When they tell you thanks, it's like, wow, you really screwed up bad, but I appreciate you apologizing, and we'll try and move on from there. Ooh. It's like, that's way more, way more like real life than I was hoping to deal with in this moment. I was kind of hoping this thing would just be fairy dusted into, oh, it's okay, no problem. It doesn't always turn out that way. Uh, so go with me over to Second Corinthians, and I will tell you what chapter it is when I get there. Seven. So you know, as if you if you go back and read First Corinthians again, and really are aware that he's dealing with just issue after issue after issue with this church, then you kind of it's kind of like non-pet sermon. It's like, hey, knock it off, you know, and uh, let's let's get this stuff fixed. And um, you know, it's no wonder Paul talked about um, you know being you know it's like yeah they say I'm bold in my letters but my bodily presence is weak and it's like well yeah it's way easier to um, really way easier to let somebody have it if you're not standing there talking to them. Uh, somebody um, asked me this week they're like hey. Uh, I was wondering if you could give me some advice on, um, you know, arguing or debating things on Facebook. <laughs> and I was like, don't. <laughs> it's like, just don't. I was just like, you know, I mean, you know, because, you know, honestly, I was like, it, it's a terrible platform to try and, and minister to people or, or, or discuss the things of the gospel in any way because people will lash out at you. And, uh, and because they can hide behind their screen, and um, uh, and then uh, you know, peop- and then and you are then robbing people of the the that don't really know you of the sense of well, this is what they said, but I don't know anything about their life. I don't know anything about them as a person because you know, uh, for good or for ill, the things that you that you say to people. Are in some way colored or flavored by you, by your personality, by who you are, and, and what people know about you, and uh, like so, it's you know, it's not not a good place to to do those kinds of things. And like now, also you have to bear in mind. I, I think Facebook is stupid, but please just bear that in mind. So they were like, okay, thanks. Like back away slowly, um, but. Um, but you know, I get I get angry emails from people sometimes, or or I get off the phone with somebody and I'm polite to them because that's what you do, and uh, um, you know because the customer is is always right even when they're not right. Sometimes they're just wrong. They're just very very wrong. Um, you know, and I don't know how many times I've gotten off the phone with people, and just been you know just been polite, got the phone and was just like. 
It's like his resurrection morning over here. And, uh, um, you know, on, you know uh, on a side note, it's totally free. I just I read this article the other day that they have done a study that proves that people who are who are forced to fake those types of emotions in you know in their job um, are more likely to have an alcohol problem in their off time. So, um, but I don't know what you would do with that. What are you supposed to just be mean to people that are mean? I mean, <laughs> that's not good either. Maybe you just need a different outlet. Than, than alcohol, but anyway, so here in Second Corinthians, of course, you know, Paul has really just kind of let them have it, and uh, and on a, on a variety of issues, of course, and uh, um, uh, you know, it seems like in here, uh, and as you read through Second Corinthians, uh, he starts out right away talking about. This this guy in particular that he was dealing with, uh, an issue in his life in in chapter five in the first letter about this this guy that was having a relationship with his mother and all this stuff and he and he tells him he's like hey you know you you know I think you've kind of got the issue dealt with I think you got the point across you know let you know, give the guy a you know, bit of a break and you know let, let's just move on from there so you know so the so second Corinthians is is certainly more you know, conciliatory in its tone, but um, but I love what he says here uh, in in uh, chapter seven in verse eight. He says, uh, "Though I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent. Although I did repent, you ever done that? Yeah, yeah. Talk, you have a really uncomfortable conversation with somebody, or you, you correct them about something, or confront them about something." And you're immediately sorry that you said anything at all. <laughs> you know, they, even even if they heard everything you had to say and they received it and, and everything went as well as it could, you just wished you hadn't had to ever have that conversation in the first place and you regretted that you were alive and that you were the one that had to do it. Yeah. Me too. Uh, you know, Cynthia and I do this, this funny thing where it's like, yeah, you know, with that kind of I'm sorry I said anything kind of moment, it's like, well... So you just sort of trail off, and now I just wish I was dead. And uh, so, to uh, because we're we have a lot of a lot of fun together after all of these uh, centuries, uh, I mean years. Um, uh, uh, we came up with the uh, with the canned response of "Me too." <laughs> like I wish you were dead too, but uh, <laughs> we have a lot of fun. I was talking with somebody once, and I was telling him, I was like, yeah, no, I read this thing that they say that, uh, you know, like they polled all these women, and like what was the most important thing to them um, uh, that they were looking for in a man? All the men are leaning forward, yes. Um, and, and it was actually that they could make you laugh. And, you know, it didn't have anything to do with, you know, money or muscles or, or anything like that. It was all, you know, can you make me laugh? And I was telling this woman about that, and she's rather uptight, and um, and and she was like, well, "That's garbage." I was like, "Like, actually, I know your husband. He's fairly amusing." Um, I was like, "That poor man." But you know, of course, I told Cynthia, and she's like, "Well, yeah." 
He's like, you know, because life is, you know, life can be pretty serious sometimes. But sometimes we take everything too seriously. You know, and uh, there, there's a time to take things really serious and there's a time not to. I was just telling Cynthia on the way in here, it's like, you know, um, I, I like to maintain my composure. I don't like to, you know, I, I don't really like displays of emotion, particularly in me or other people all that much. If I can help it, I can avoid it, but that's just life. I was thinking about what I was going to talk about today, and I was like, oh, I was thinking about that thing I just told you guys about the regret and about um, about my kids and everything, and I was like, oh. Like, I don't want to talk about that again. They've all heard that. It's so exhausting to talk about it. And then I'm probably going to start crying. And then, like, I don't want to do that. But, you know, uh, but yeah, you know, but sometimes, you know, we just, we, we do take things awfully serious. And sometimes you just need to laugh, you know. Um, you know, I, I, I love the story that, that Mark Rutland tells about. This, this friend of his was having a revival and he invites this evangelist to the church and uh, and they, he had this self-proclaimed prophetess in his church. That, you know, no one could hear from God but her and, uh, and she, she didn't like this evangelist for whatever reason and didn't want him to come. So she told, it, told the pastor he shouldn't come. And he's like, well, until God tells me, he's coming. And so the first night of the revival... You know, the service is just getting going. This guy's out, the evangelist, you know, the guy's Bible open and he's talking. And she just comes right out in the aisle up front and, and you know, is waving her finger at him. And, and she's like, you know, thus saith the Lord, like, you, thou thinkest that thou art a humdinger. But thou art not a humdinger, thou art a dinger. <laughs> and everybody just, you know, because it's like, what, do, what would you do? You know, I mean, on the one hand, it seems like you should just tell them, you know, like, this is church, sit down and shut up, you know, or, <laughs> like, you're out of order, ma'am, sit down, you know. I mean, that'd be good. But I think this guy's response was way better because he just, he just kind of stared at her for a moment and he just put his head down like this and just started laughing and laughing and laughing. <laughs> And then all the musicians started laughing because, of course, that's where most of the sources of trouble come from in the church. And uh, they're all the rowdy people. That's why the pastor keeps us close to them on the stage. Um, and uh, so, I mean, but what else would you do with that situation but laugh, you know? And, you know, if, if that guy took himself really, really seriously, then, I, you know, that, that wouldn't have been nearly so... Amusing, you know, because this lady, she flounces out and stops at the door. It's like, I'll never darken this door of this church again. <laughs> he, he, he said the pastor is telling him this story, and he's like, it was like the hour of deliverance. <laughs> like, like, oh, thank you. Yep. Uh, so, uh, but anyway, so in, in here in verse 8, Wrap this up. It's almost 10:30. He says, "Though I made you sorry with the letter, I don't repent. Although I did repent, for I perceive that the same epistle that has made you has made you sorry, though it were but for a season. And now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that you made you, you were sorrowed unto repentance." 
For you were made sorry after a godly manner, that you might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow works repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. For the sorrow of the world works death. It's never fun to confront somebody about something that needs fixed. And it's never fun to be confronted about something that needs fixed. Um, but, you know, that's how the exchange should go. It's like, well, I'm really sorry to have to tell you this, but, you know, if, if you're like, you know, rejoicing and you can't wait to tell these people this, oh man, have I got something for you, you know, then you probably shouldn't. Like, go, go find somebody else to tell them. But, um, uh, but, you know, this sense of, he's like, you know, I, and I didn't rejoice that it made me sorry. I rejoiced that, that it changed the thing because you, you, you really, you know, you sorrowed after a godly manner. And he said, because godly sorrow works repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. Um, for the sorrow of the world works death. For behold, this selfsame thing that you sorrowed after a godly sort, what carefulness it wrought in you, what clearing of yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what vehement desire, what zeal, what revenge, and all these things you've approved yourself to be clear in this matter. So, so he's like, man, I, I, I brought you this, this word and you heard it and you really got the thing straightened out and, 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 and look at you now. You know? and, and that's really all that God is after when he confronts us about issues. And, uh, but again, to go back to what I said before, God doesn't have to confront us about issues if we'll just judge ourselves first. If, if if we honestly, like like just like the priest did, if we honestly will look in the labor, and and wash at the labor, and and look at our reflection in the Word of God, and and be honest about it. See, that's that's the the tricky thing, you know, because you know I can look at myself in the mirror and I can try and convince myself that Chris Hemsworth is looking back at me, but that's not honest, and. Uh, or I can I can look at myself in the mirror and be like, wow, I look a little grungy this morning. And then you deal with the grungy. And and that's really all there is to it. And, and, and that avoids a whole lot of discomfort and drama because the longer you hold those things in and the longer you refuse to deal with them and refuse to be honest about them, then the more forcefully God has to talk about them in church. The more forcefully God has to confess you then just like he just like Paul did the Corinthians and nobody likes that you know it's like well I, I don't know about you but it's like I show up to church and it's like I'm, I'm just kind of hoping that it's like it's going to be one of those just like you know the clouds rolled away and everything is wonderful and everybody loves everybody and everything's happy and we just had a good old time you know and those are great I mean I, I, I'm hoping for that every Sunday you know but it's like well actually the you know God taking care of things and and making sure that we uh, aren't condemned with the world is is actually a way more productive service and 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 that's really you know what we're here for so Jesus we just thank you so much for your word to us today and I pray that we would not just on Sunday morning but but every day examine ourselves by your word. God, that I would examine myself by it. God, am I living according to the principles of Your Word? God, if I see something that that convicts me, do I do I brush it aside or do I do I deal with the issue?
And God, we just pray that uh, that you would get done in all of us exactly what you want to do. God, that we would be unafraid of of the uh, the inspection of the light of your presence, Lord God. That we would that we would welcome it, Lord Jesus, God, because we know that that on the other side of it, uh, God, if if you find something that that needs change, God, that, and we change it, we let you change it, God, that. Uh, uh, the 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 blessing on the other side uh, is is so wonderful. Now, God, today we just pray. You know every need in this place, and you know what every heart is is longing for. God, you know every issue. God, that every heart is crying out to you about. And God, we just pray that you would do in this place as only you can. That you'd raise our sense of expectation. God, to really receive from you what you have, God, and, and what you would say to us. God, then that we would have uh, ears to hear and hearts to receive it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen.